women's rights Welcome to episode six of season three. I cannot believe we're almost uh, halfway. Actually, we're a little bit more than halfway through season three from the Women's IP World Annual Podcast, a podcast series that's shining a spotlight on women in intellectual property. I'm your host, Michelle Katz, and I'm the co-founding partner of the law firm Advitamon IP, which in Latin means intellectual property for life. We are based out of the U.S. in Chicago. Me and my firm are hosting this podcast on behalf of Northens Media PR and Marketing Limited, based out of the U.K. and London. They are publishers of the Women's IP World Annual, as well as the Global IP Matrix magazine. And the latest edition, 2023, of the Women's IP World Annual can be found digitally at www.womensipworld.com. Again, that's www.womensipworld.com, and you can listen to the annual as well on your favorite podcast app. Now that so many IP conferences are back in person, keep an eye out also for hard copies. We have Claire Gibson back, not just once, not just twice, but thrice. Am I right, Claire? Three times a charm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So first, we talked about gender diversity as it related to innovation. Mm -hmm, That was two years ago. Last year, we discussed gender and climate change. And now we're going to be talking about femtech. So that's the spoiler alert. And we will get there. But I do want to know, I I noticed from um, your bio from last year, the last years versus this year that while you're still a senior analyst, you were with Patent Seekers, and now I see you're a senior analyst with Pat World UK. So tell us about this change. Yeah, that's correct. So uh, Patent Seekers, we were a company and we did patent searches, essentially. Uh, but we also had a company called Pat World, which was, a, well, it is a database, um, an IP database. So it's full of patents and all the relative information that you would need. Um, and we had these two companies running side by side. Um, Patworld was sort of a newly developed database. And as it grew, and as our customer base grew as well, we decided that we basically rebranded them both into the one organization. So we don't operate now under Patent Seekers, for example. We do everything under Patworld. So Patworld now is a complete searching and database organization. Uh, which obviously works out well. You know, we conduct the searches. We've got clients using the database. Uh, we're also using the database. Uh, so it does work really well as a more streamlined organization. Right. So now, um, so the patent seekers trademark that um, that you were working under before for your company, right, is now yeah. no longer. And now everything is under like the umbrella of Patworld. Yeah, that's have, correct. Is that right? Okay. Okay, cool. So that's very exciting. And so even though it's all under one roof, 
um, and it's Pet World UK, right? Um, yeah. Do you have offices outside of the UK, right? So we are South Wales based, but we do have a, a digital sort of worldwide office service. You can contact us from or anywhere in the world, America, uh, and we will still do those searches. But we just, as part of the streamlining, we just centered everything in South Wales. <laughs> Got it. Okay, so so super. So have you noticed anything different? I mean, with that change besides the name? Um, yeah, it has actually been very positive. So part of, you know, we had clients before, for example, who we would do the searching for, and they were fully aware of the organization and the work came in there. Now that we are under the umbrella of Pat World and we're operating as Pat World, customers are getting more and more aware of our database. And obviously it's leading to an increased uptake of the use of our database and it's helping with marketing and advertising as well. Uh, whereas before, for example, if somebody contacted Pat and Seekers, they wouldn't really know about Pat World. So now it's a really good way to make anybody who's potentially interested in our services to know about everything that we offer as an organization. Yeah, definitely. So for marketing purposes and people to really understand all your services. Exactly. They don't have to go from patent seekers to jump over to, to pet world. It's all, you know, it's all, it, it, everything is being advertised now and marketed through pet world. So people don't, people don't have to know like, Oh, pet world does this and patent seekers does this. So, it's just Pat World for everything. When we were working in Pat and Seekers, we all had the Pat World knowledge, obviously. So it's really good to just combine everything under the one brand, Pat World. It's more of a holistic approach this way. You know, it's not these two separate organizations anymore. It's one organization. One powerhouse. Wonderful. Okay. So that's a pretty big change since the last time we spoke. Uh, how, has your, how has your year been? Um, yeah, it's been very good. I mean, you know, in terms of my personal year, yeah, it's been great. In terms of my career, it's been great. I had a sort of promotion within the senior analyst role. And like you said, the company's doing very well. Um, and clients have been very happy, obviously, with the rebranding because it happens a lot, right, rebranding. Um, and we are seeing increased uptake in the database usage as well. So it's been a very positive year. Wonderful. It's great to hear people are, you know, if they were feeling in any way a bit of a slump. I mean, IP definitely did well, even it was, you know, for most people were innovating and whatnot um, during that time. But I think just kind of overall that feeling of normalcy, not like a new normal, but like a like a, a real normalcy in their lives. Exactly, exactly. Um, we're seeing that in Pat Wills. Um, like you said, there's there's always a slump. I mean, everything that's happened as well is, you know, the financial crisis we've had going on, which has affected people. Mm, of course. Uh, everything that's going on in the world is nice to feel. Like you said, it's not a new normal anymore. We're back to a normal. <laughs> normal, normal. Um, and like, uh, and we'll see how things continue to unfold. Exactly, yeah. So, and and, you know, I feel like you and I, we're always talking about something very cutting edge, you know, like the various topics that we've discussed over the last, you know, couple of years. And this time it's no different. I mean, the the, the femtech, and we're going to talk more about it um, when we dive into your article. Um, and just for those that are 
that are listening. Uh, and if you happen to have like a, or want to pull up the digital copy, Claire's bio is on 91 and the article follows from there, 92 on for a few pages. And it's really a compelling read. I've gone involved in some fem tech organizations even years ago. And there's a great chart that we'll talk about also um, when we dive into the article about how femtech kind of started. And it's, I feel like looking at that chart and it shows its growth from year to year. And then there's just this explosion. So we're, we'll take a, let, well, let's take a quick break. And people, if you want, uh, who are listening, if you want to um, pull it up, now you have kind of where it is in the newest edition. And then we'll dive into the article when we're back. Northern's Media PR and Marketing Limited are delighted to announce the launch of IPNexum, a new digital platform to help streamline the intellectual property industry's referral, business, and information sharing process. IPNexum is the ultimate detailed reference guide for anyone seeking experts in IP and IP law. Whether you are looking for a co-counsel arrangement, a partner law firm, or simply exemplary practitioners to refer work to, IPNexum has got you covered. With a wealth of information on trusted partners and business associates, IPNexum is your go-to resource for intellectual property referrals, making it easy to find the right match for your needs. Sign up to IPNexum today for free at www.ipnexum.com. Use coupon code IPNexumVIP with no spaces and in capital letters and receive free premium access until February 2024. Finding professionals who share your passion and expertise in the IP world is made easy with IPNexum. Happy networking. Welcome back. So we started using um, the kind of throwing the femtech word around for uh, female technology. But why don't we go back a little bit? Because it's very possible that people are not familiar with the term, what it means, what does it entail? So how would you define femtech? When people think about it, I think they think about apps on their phone, apps on their watch, uh, you know, ovulation tracking, for example. But really, femtech is technology for females. And it's not limited to your mobile phone, for example, or your smartwatch or your iPad or your laptop. And when you think about technology for females, and maybe you think about it over the last 100 years, I mean, you can argue that the at-home pregnancy test is an example of femtech, essentially. It was something that enabled women to discover something at home. Uh, in that situation, discover they were pregnant, and there, and it goes even beyond that, right? Um, even let's let's talk about men for a moment, okay? Um, and I saw in the article how important it is for even men to understand what femtech is out there. Mental health is, I mean. I don't know a time in my life where we've talked more about mental health than now. I completely agree. Okay, so, and, um, and for good reason. Um, but also because there was such a stigma on, you know, talking about how, you, what you're thinking, what you're feeling, these sor sort of things are um, previously, 
it was kind of frowned upon, especially for men. I mean, the way society views men sharing feelings is um, changed, thankfully. Thankfully. Could use a lot more change. And it still could use a lot more change, right? (laughs) Because, you know, society, we don't, you know, it's, it takes time. And these, um, some of the fem tech, you know, I use quote marks for that, could really benefit men as well. Yeah, I completely agree. And and like you said, there's, for example, femtech, that's, um, I say that with quotation marks, there's femtech, that's relevant to mental health for women. But there's no reason why a male or somebody that's non-binary can actually use that same app. Because the advice there is still going to be a lot of the same. And it might help people, like you said, break the taboos and realize that what they're feeling is normal. And that Maybe most people feel these things. Uh, and that, I think, is what's so good about, we say femtech, health tech, essentially, just gives people the access to that knowledge that you're not alone. And this is very common. And most people experience these symptoms, whether they're, you know, mental health, a, a mood swing, for example. Uh, it's it's all there. And we all experience it. And it's very good as well to to open up males or non-binary to potentially issues that females go through like for example when you talk about ovulation tracking or or pregnancy it used to be a long time ago that males would sort of you know take the back seat a little bit with the pregnancy but now the information's there for the the males or someone that's non-binary to access all the information and find out exactly what is going on during that nine month period yeah. Well, and also if you're, if, if, so let's, 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 if we talk about pregnancy for a bit, you know, and, you know, if you're in the LBGTQ community, but if you're two, like specifically, if you're two men having a child and you're using a surrogate, say, okay, I mean, don't the dads want to know like what's happening with the woman who's, who's carrying their child, right? So, I mean, it, it, it doesn't even have to be um, that. It could just be kind of, you know, a heterosexual couple um, having a baby and being able to, for the male partner to be able to support their spouse or girlfriend or whatever the case may be. Um, so, you know, I see like where femtech is deemed so a lot because of its origins. And there are things that are probably more, you know, obviously geared towards women, you know, tracking periods and, you know, things like that. Um, You know, it's like, let's be honest. Do you need your significant other tracking that with you? Probably not. Okay. But there may be certain things that can be done jointly. That's all. That's all I was kind of trying to pull out there with, you know, bringing in, you know, both genders. One, like we discussed, it could help men just as much as women. And then other is to support, you know, whatever female is in your life. Exactly. Whatever the case may be there. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I totally agree with that. It just brings everybody into the same experience, doesn't it? With the same knowledge and you know, everybody's working at the same level then, if, if that makes sense. Oh, for sure. But then on the other hand, like on the flip side, that is really private stuff, right? Yeah. So what you're logging in and you see like, um, 
uh, on the on the Fitbit, um, Apple Watch might have it too, right? Where you can log certain things that are you know would be considered female, yeah. okay? Um, you know, like menstrual cycle and those sort of things, okay? Mm-hmm. And so you've got these companies now who are collecting very private <laughs> data. Exactly, yeah, and and there is concerns around that, isn't it? I mean the positive or the sort of aim of it would be they're collecting the data and they could help obviously understand the the issues more so it's a positive in terms of it helps the big companies potentially point out things that maybe they didn't know so for example if they're tracking say female health data that's coming from an ovulation tracker and you also know alongside that nothing to do with that for example that maybe heart attacks is is a large killer in females maybe they could use that data and find some sort of links. Um, and there might not be a link there, but there might be, and that's potentially a positive about it. But obviously there are concerns as well about these organisations having all of this data about you. And the concern is if they ethically use that data or not. Um, because I know about you, I wouldn't want to be sold, for example, female products on advertising online just because some company knew... I was at a certain point in my ovulation. Uh, does that make sense? Of course, because we have now talked about this and people are going to be, you know, that are listening to this, you better believe that um, face, you know, on Facebook and, uh, and Instagram and whatnot, that we're all of a sudden going to be getting um, solicited for certain things that really may or may not have relevancy in our lives. But we have now just said it out loud right? And there is a mic, right? There's multiple mics around me right now, actually. Um, but yeah, it's just a normal, you know, the in the AI, that's kind of the world we live in right now. And in some ways, it's quite convenient. Um, you know, I, w- I mentioned, oh, you know, I was going through, uh, I need some new bathing suits and, you know, just voila, all of a sudden, how convenient all these bathing suit ads came up on my phone. Like, in some sense, that's really nice and time-saving, potentially. And in another sense, obviously, that's very scary, you know. Um, so you got to know how to turn that mic off when you when that is what suits you in your comfortability level, for sure. Yeah. But there's also, like, um, you know, data privacy comes to mind in this stuff. Um, you you hear you know companies getting hacked and and whatnot and stealing data and whatever so you know it's always important that if you are sharing details that it's that who you're sharing them with and whatever you apps we don't always think you know it's like we kind of scroll and agree right i mean even the lawyers right we kind of scroll and agree and we move on with whatever app we're downloading so it, it's just that, you know, that's just kind of the way of the world, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And we've all seen it happen as well. You sign some terms and conditions without reading it. And next thing you know, you've got hundreds of spam emails coming <laughs> when you think about mm-hmm. it. It's, you just think, oh, hang on. I, I agreed to some terms and conditions. And clearly in there, they said they were going to use my data in a certain way, which you, you haven't really agreed to. <laughs> but Technically, you have because you agreed to the terms and conditions. Um, mm-hmm. It's one example, isn't it, of, of what can go wrong, really, with the, the data. I mean, it can obviously be a lot worse. <laughs> and it's not exclusive to femtech, of course. 
it's just I you know I think of it because the, of the kind of uh, data that's being collected is you know is is private. Mm-hmm. You know your ovulation cycle, like if you're especially for those that are trying to get pregnant and whatnot, like that you know is not is usually private. <laughs> it's not enough, you know I can't say everybody, but it's usually you know a private thing. Yeah. Um, so something I noticed and I referenced earlier in our talk is this, this, um, it's like a graph that you included in the article. I'm just, I'm, I'm very visual and my learning. And so I really, I've always liked, you know, seeing graphs and seeing then how the numbers fit into that and growth and, and, um, or decline on as the case may be. And so I really found it so interesting to look at the graph you included with your article. Yeah. And how you see like in the, it was like in the, say like around 2010, 12-ish, it was somewhere around there. There was like this slow growth. Then in 2015, it like doubles, but it's still smaller than what's to come to come ahead. Okay. And then you hit 2016, I think it was. And it was just like, boom, gangbusters. It shot up so much higher. It was way more than double. And so from 2015, so how do you, um, how do you attribute that explosion at that time? I think there's sort of two main considerations going on. When we sort of touched on earlier on, people are starting to open up the conversation and the conversation about everything, whether it's about, you know, race, mental health, well-being, we're talking about gender, non-binary, as a, as sort of Western world in particular, we're very much more open and talking about more things than we used to talk about. So one side of me can sort of see the link in the chart that way, you know, it's, we've progressed quite a lot, haven't we, in terms of what we see as taboo and what we've said, no, we're going to break these taboos, (laughs) not taboos anymore. And I think the other thing when I saw this chart that I thought about was I was thinking about technology in general. So I think the first iPhone, for example, Apple iPhone, came out in 2007. So obviously relatively new, but give it a few years and more and more people are using smart tech. Uh, I, I feel like the link also comes in through technology. You know, we've got the tool now, the smartphone, to work with. So obviously organizations who want to, for example, track your ovulation or, or, or anything else, have a platform now that you can do that with um whereas before for example maybe you'd have to go see a doctor and have regular checkups with them about something or you know just generally keep it to yourself you know which is what a lot of people done but now I just think we've got those platforms available to us in our homes where we can start using them to to track anything and it's not just ovulation like we said it could be mental health you know how you feel in today and um, there's apps out there that log how you feel every day or if you feel bad at a certain time you can log it you know so you can try and see a trend um and I think technology has enabled that to happen more and more and I think that's why we've seen this spike in in the patterns particularly in this sector um ovulation and I'm pretty certain if we run that chart on topics such as maybe mental health or or maybe if we looked at it in other medical conditions, maybe we'd see the same spike. Could be. And I and, and and a few things come to mind as you're talking. 
we live in a pretty open society on these subjects, but the technology that's 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 been coming out over the last several years it's also very helpful for societies that may be a bit more closed on such topics, not not so open as we are, yeah. um, because then there's access mm-hmm. to certain information uh, that that perhaps women in certain areas of the world would otherwise not be privy to. Yeah, um, and even the relationship with doctors may be very different um, depending on where you live in the world. And also, um, if you live in a remote area and you don't have doctors so accessible to you, uh, but you do have a cell phone, right? Um, That is is also quite possible. And so it it links people um, in ways that perhaps prior they were cut off. Yeah. And I mean, there is an element of there are parts of the world where maybe they don't have access to smartphones. So maybe they're missing out on this smart tech in terms of the apps. But like you say, it's it's opening up access to a lot more people in who are in remote areas with a smartphone who, you know, it, it does happen. Some people don't want to go to the doctors, you know, they might get too anxious about it, for example, or they might not like the experience. Uh, so it might stop them from going to see a medical professional, thinking maybe it's nothing to worry about or or whatever reasons they have for not going. But when we have these smart tech available to us, it, it just opens up those doors. Like you said, the, the access to information, you know, what I'm seeing is normal. and <laughs> Lots of people go through it. So I don't need to see a doctor, but it could highlight something that does maybe require medical attention or a conversation with a doctor. Um, and I also think it opens up to more age ranges. So, you know, when you think of uh, young adults or, you know, teenagers, for example, they might just feel too embarrassed to even discuss that with their parents, which some people do. But if you go on app on your phone, it, it just opens up and like you said, makes everything normal and provides that access. Yeah, I mean, I, and I'm t- I, I pulled up your article here on on the digital version, the ultimate aim of femtech is to reduce disparities within healthcare to provide unbiased care by providing technology and female health insights via a female lens to help make the lives of females just a little bit easier. Now, I don't even know how some of these things work, but I am so impressed that, that you you provide a list of various um, way, various femtech that already exists that relate to mammograms and that relate to um, the, we call it a pap smear. It's a smear testing for cervical cancer. I mean, there are, and, and it goes on and on. I, I really encourage people to pull up the article and and take a look. So so many things I would not even thought could yeah. be done through like this fem fem tech. When field. I'm researching this and I come across the the AI and fem tech uh, to screen breast cancer, I'm taking images. I just thought it was fascinating, and of course, there'll be some people that will not want to use their smartphone to image their breasts. And then obviously what's the company's going to do with that data? <laughs> you know, like you can see the concerns there. But it's also amazing, isn't it? You might not realize you have something going on. An AI in a phone, for example, or an iPad might pick that information up. 
But then it also made me think with that particular example, why aren't we broadening that? Like if we can do that with breast tissue, why aren't we opening that up to males, for example, and and looking at uh, testicular issues? Uh, so it's like the tech is there. So it just makes me think how much further we can actually go with this and the changes that we can make to people's lives. I wonder if it does exist. I mean, it, that's the thing, it, I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I wouldn't say that a mammogram from your phone would be an adequate replacement than then the, then what we call, you know, like the annual smush, you know what I mean? So, but imagine if there are people that cannot have access any other way. So this actually is like a space filler and could really, and probably does save lives. Yeah. Exactly. And, and there's variations, you know, like mammograms, for example, in the UK, you don't get them as a woman in your 20s, 30s, 40s, you get invited to your first one in your late 50s, early 60s, which is bewildering to me, because it's not the case in loads of other countries. But we limit that here. And for example, our smear tests, our pap tests, they're only every sort of three to five years, depending on what part of the UK you live in. So to think that there's tech out there that might actually alert you to something before your next, you know, three year, five year, <laughs> or the mammogram that's not going to happen until maybe you're in your sixties, is just a really good thing. And like you said, it's it's not a diagnosis. Like none of this femtech that we're using is is a hundred percent diagnosis. I, I think Apple say the same with their smartwatches. Um, you know the heart monitors you can't look at it and say what this is my diagnosis but it can alert you to go and seek medical help and it does obviously highlight to doctors then issues that are happening uh so it's it's sort of preventative in a way isn't it it's just that extra means to keep you monitoring your health whether it be your heart your ovulation your mental health uh, and that's why i think femtech is doing really well at is just opening up that medical awareness that we should all have about ourselves and others. Oh, I couldn't agree more. The stuff is trying to help us stay uh, alive longer, stay healthier longer. It just seems all but helpful right now. Just being aware, though, of, you know, confidentiality concerns uh when you are signing up but it's it's really amazing how how this femtech has exploded and continues to grow yeah i'm really excited to see what's to come in the terms of of femtech and and in the terms of all gender specific tech it's not just females that i'm concerned about it's, it's that diversity of everyone what can we see in technology that we can use in our homes that's going to help us, help us live a healthier lifestyle, help us live longer, or even alert us to something that we may not have noticed, you know? I agree. And it's not just the living longer, it's living in a healthy, like where you feel good, right? So to expand the, the, your health and wellness, um, you know, as long as possible. Exactly. Claire, thank you so much for coming back to talk with me today. Thank to you. our listeners, please do like, follow, share with your friends and colleagues, but also feel free to send comments and questions. Until the next time, be well and looking forward to seeing you in person 
quite soon. Take care, everyone. <laughs> Bye. Women's You have been listening to the Women's IP World Annual Podcast, hosted by Michelle Katz from Advitum IP in Chicago, on behalf of Northern's Media PR and Marketing Limited.